Can't you can't do the beginning off the top of your head? No. Well, it's easy. It's welcome back to the Design Much <laughs> Podcast, <laughs> the podcast you listen to to level up your design game one bite size skill at a time. It's that easy. It's just that easy. It's just that easy. Yeah. But I mean, when I'm reading it off the thing, it's pretty easy. Sometimes, yeah, exactly. When you're reading it off the thing. <laughs> <laughs> welcome to Design Much with Andy and Patrick. All right, Patrick. Yeah. Let's get going, man. Patrick, I want to welcome you, and I want to welcome all of our listeners to the Design Much podcast. It's the podcast that you listen to to level up your design game one bite-sized skill at a time. One bite-sized skill at a time. Yeah, just just one. Sometimes we have a couple other ones, but... And sometimes they're, they're a big bite. Yeah. Sometimes they're like a nibble. Yeah, but either way, <laughs> it's, it's a bite. Yeah. Yeah. We had um, the pleasure of... Um, interviewing and then talking to um, John Juvenile, we asked him some some questions about how to be a design team of one. Um, so that we had some some really great stuff in there. Did you like that interview? Uh, it was it was a good interview. I think before we get to the interview, though, I we'd have some breaking information on on the Lacroix investigation. Oh oh man. Um yeah maybe uh, cue <laughs> cue the current. What's, what's there is currently, right now, a designer named Christian LaCroix who designs products for Nordstrom. Really? Now, I'm not saying that this is a direct correlation. I'm just saying, like, this gets us one step closer to proving <laughs> that LaCroix is just Nordstrom perfume. Yeah, so this this guy, he wanted to do something on the side. He has his what, – what kind of designs does he do, actually? Like, um, is he designing I don't know. clothes? And, and is he, like, what is Chris, it? Christian, maybe? I, I don't know how you say sure. it. I don't know how you say the name correctly, but um, uh, some, like, women's women's accessories. Some, there's some lifestyle brands. Uh, there's iPhone cases, all kinds of different stuff. Uh, so, so you're saying this, this pillows, guy – Christian, he's, he's he's designing all this stuff for Nordstrom, and he says, yeah, I see all of this extra perfume just laying around. What can I do with it? So he decides to spin off this other company. This is what you're you're possibly thinking. That's a possibility, yes. Okay. That's a possibility. Another one is uh, the brother. Say, who I don't know who owns LaCroix. Maybe the maybe the Leroy LaCroix owns LaCroix. <laughs> Leroy LaCroix. Or LA, LA Croix 10. <laughs> Uh, Leroy owns it, and his little brother Christian does a lot of artwork on the side. He's a designer, so and he works for Nordstrom. Right? Sure, okay. And then all of a sudden, now there's like, hey, what if dot dot dot? Bam! All of a sudden, sparkling <laughs> perfume line to sucker designers into thinking they're drinking something good. Did you just dot 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 all of a sudden, and that's yeah. that's a, that's how a company is built to you? Dot dot dot. A company. It's kind of like. Yada yada yada. It's kind of like yada yada. yada. That's our Seinfeld reference for today. <laughs> so yada yada yada. yada. They, they have they have this amazing company now with the very tasty drink. <laughs> very tasty is subjective, by the way. Yeah, amazing and company also is subjective. <laughs> that's definitely true. Yeah. Oh, speaking of, we ha- I have another update for you guys on the uh, we had talked about. I don't know if our listeners knew. Me and Andy have been discussing in the past. Uh, where the i comes from in apple oh really yeah like the iphone or the itunes or the uh i whatever mm-hmm. like all the eyes i got some good news nick who is a uh, genius devops uh engineer here at canopy told me it's it used to stand for internet interesting yeah 
didn't stand for interesting, but internet. Like, where are you going with that? <laughs> but now it currently stands for individual. Really? Yeah. Just doesn't make any sense, but. That doesn't, like, if, if I really wanted to spell that out, I'd say, can you pass me my individual phone? Individual pod. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> individual phone. <laughs> uh, speaking of individual, see where this is going? Speaking of individual. Oh, is this a segue right now? Let's go into our interview with Jonathan oh, Juvenal awesome about transition. it being a design team of one, an individual, oh, an eye designer, if you will. <laughs> So, so you've been in um, environments where you're the sole designer. You've yep. been in environments where you're in a design team as part of a design team. Yep. Also, awesome. ones where you're leading a design team. Sounds like. So, what 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 is the difference? That, like, what are the main differences essentially between like being a sole designer and being a designer on a team? Uh, the biggest difference. So I was trying to think how I would articulate it. The biggest difference is you have to understand when you're the design team of one. There is nobody else in the company who knows what you do. Nobody else has studied it. Now I'm black and whiting it right now, right? Right. Mm-hmm. The reality, uh, some people actually know some of these things. But the truth is, is that even the guys who do are so busy doing the things that they're doing that really nobody's doing design and nobody knows what you should be doing. They just need you to go do it. So, so the biggest thing, the biggest thing you have to do is you, you have to come in and you have to, you have to take everything you've ever learned and everything you've ever read and everything we talk about in the Slack groups and you have to sort of put it all on the shelf and not touch it for a little bit. Because what you have to do is you have to first earn the trust of the people at the company. And because they don't understand what you're talking about, it's all rocket science to them. Mm-hmm. The problem with that is that'd be okay. That's okay for an accountant, right? So a small company will hire a CPA and the CPA will come in and do the accounting and you don't really need to know how they do it. Yeah. The problem with design is the reason you can't do that is because design is a collaborative effort that everybody does together. And the way you do your job is by working with all these other teams and doing these activities with all these groups. So you can't be isolated. The companies don't get that. They think design is this thing that I'm just going to hire you, put in your room, and then the design magic will happen over there. And the reality is, is what people don't realize is that the people at the companies is that they're actually doing the design activities already. They don't realize it and they don't have any formal understanding of it like we do. So really what you're doing is you're walking into a situation where the design's actually already being done. And what you got hired to do was to sort of like gently ask them to give it back to you, (laughs) right? Because they don't realize that the things that they're doing are actually design quote unquote activities. So really the first thing, the most important thing you have to do is you have to come in and read the situation. You have to see who's doing what and how, and then you have to look for the areas that they are asking for help and only do those areas in the beginning because what you're going to do is you're going to solve their problems and they're going to start trusting you. And once they start trusting you, then they will start to be open to that list of 10,000 things you put on the shelf, right? And you've got to slowly pick the ones that are in near proximity to the thing that they first asked you to do. Hmm. So I can give you an example, like at Silverview, 
they needed they needed a pretty UI, right? Because the product manager was actually doing all the discovery and all the research already and determining all the requirements. They didn't have anybody to make it look right. So there, I had to set aside all of that, and I had to focus on listening to her and turning what she said into something that developers could execute. Mm -hmm. So I was spending tons of time in Sketch and Confluence, writing documents and writing interactions that QA could actually read and understand and dev could read and understand, right? I was doing, I was hardly doing any sort of user research or user testing because it wasn't needed, you know? We had this team of 10 developers who just were stopped because they had nothing that they could understand coming from this product manager. So I had to transform her thoughts into documentation they could understand. Okay. And that was all I had time to do there. So just basically translating. Yes. Right. And so the, the opposite of that is you coming in as a designer and thinking, I'm going to be the designer here and like coming and saying like, no, I need to do all this user research again. And so you're going to like basically come in and they're going to see like, oh, this, this big delicate designer <laughs> um, and you're not going to have their trust right. and you're not going to be able to um, do the things you need to do later on. Right. That's yeah. what you're saying. Because you'd be kind of stepping on their toes. Yeah. And you'd be over, you'd just be simply be overwhelming them. Even the people who are super sharp and super smart, they just can't comprehend all the things you've, you're saying at once. So you got to just like give it to them baby steps. Okay. So, so you come in and you, you put those things on the shelf, as you said, and you do what you need to do for now. And then you said you kind of ask gently for those responsibilities yes. back. How do you go about asking for those responsibilities back? How do you gain those? Same, same technique. So what you're, I'd kind of change, I'd rephrase what you said, because what you're really doing is you're coming in and you're looking for what is the biggest problem that they're having. And they'll tell you right off the bat. You don't have to. I'll give you an example. When I was started at One Great Family back in 2005, my first day I was putting my computer together and I overheard the CEO walk past me to the, the lead developer's office and they had what sounded like a familiar argument. And the, the CEO was saying, look, I need you to do this. And the, the developer was saying, well, okay, but just write it down and spec it out for me. And he's like, I don't have time for that. I just need you to do this. And he's like, we'll spec it out. And then you just, right, they're in this vicious <laughs> circle. So what I did is I walked out and I said, hey, I'll, I'll write it. I'll write it right now. And they sort of looked at me and then they stopped arguing, right? And that's what I did is I wrote, I sat down with the CEO and wrote down what he wanted. You see how that's not like what we learn in the books? Mm -hmm. But it, what it did is from then on, he started relying on me to create the drawings, right? So then I started to have influence over the drawings that were getting handed to dev. And that's how I started to introduce better UI okay. and better UX principles is because now I had that responsibility. I had earned that responsibility from him. Yeah. And he sees your value there. That makes a lot of sense. And that does seem to be like a, pretty drastic difference when you're working on a design team because I think everybody just expects you to do that, That's right? right. If, if the company's to a point where they have a formal design team, they're not dealing with the same issues anymore. Yeah. They acknowledge it's a thing that needs to exist and they everybody has their own differences on how it interacts with the different teams, but they have at least defined something. In this situation, there's nothing. There's a void, and you got to jump in where the gaps are. Yeah, huh. it's interesting. Yeah. So, I think, and I could be wrong in saying this, but I think designers do like working alone. 
I think some designers like to like work alone in basements, right? True. <laughs> um, what it, what is how is it beneficial to actually have a team? Like, what are the benefits in, in your experience of having a design team um, instead of just being alone? There's a couple points. Um, when I was at Silverview, I was design team when design team of one. I got extremely lonely. Like, I actually moved my desk by the dev team so that I wasn't alone all the time. They actually put me in a cubicle off by myself. <laughs> and <laughs> that was great for like the first couple of weeks. <laughs> she like, like a special, yeah. special gift over on the side. <laughs> yes, that's right. They just feed me Hershey bars every once in a while. <laughs> so the first issue is loneliness, right? Okay. It, then, then the second issue is loneliness in, in understanding. So even though I was sitting by the devs, they had no clue what I was doing or how I did it. And they, they didn't have time to figure it out. So, so what I did is I started having lunch with anybody who would go to lunch with me and I would take my designs with me and show them, right? Cause people, I needed people outside the office. Yeah. People from the Slack group. Okay. Oh, okay. So other designers, other designers. Okay. Cause I needed that FaceTime. Like the problem when you get alone is you start to, you start to believe your own lies like <laughs> yeah so you like you need somebody to come in and say you're doing this wrong remember oh yeah that's right i forgot because you start getting in these ruts yeah. you know yeah <laughs> that's awesome no that's true so yeah there's there's loneliness in being alone there's loneliness in not having that other designer feedback um that's great. And in terms of your designs, your designs suffer from both of those, obviously, yeah. right? The first one, because you lose motivation. The second, because you start forgetting things that are more universally understood in the design world. Every time I've been on a team, the moment I show a design, the design always gets better when, it, when people give me feedback. It's without fail every time. And the in fact, the more designers I can get to look at it, it just exponentially goes to a place I never could have got on my own. So the design is really going to be handicapped if you're alone. Yeah. Awesome. So what are, how is it actually beneficial to be a sole designer then? So we talked about some of those cons. Oh, that's a good question. Are there any things that are like really good that you've yes. taken from those experiences of being a sole designer? Um, the first, uh, there's, there's two that I can think of off the top of my head. The first one is that is the only time and I've ever witnessed you actually have true autonomy true autonomy when you're on a team they may hire in the hiring process say look we give our designers autonomy blah 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 the truth is you don't because most of the process has already been defined and you just need to walk the walk that has been set before you when you're a design team of one you truly are your own taskmaster 100 percent, and you have to have that personality to, to to get up and drive yourself but the, but if you do have that personality and you do desire true autonomy, you really do own your process. You own your outputs, you own how you do it, and all those things. I remember there was one company I worked at where the project management team actually wanted to dictate to me exactly how I did my day, right? And so that's just contrast, right? Yeah. Whereas when I was on my own, they just said, okay, look, they need, Dev needs these drawings, go, right? And then I could define my day. Awesome. So you, in that way, you can also have the opportunity to explore a process, right? Yeah. So no, in, the, in the other scenario, when you're with a team and they say, here's our design process, we've already explored this. You're right. 
um, you actually get the opportunity to say like, this isn't working for me. I'm going to try something else, right? That's and right. Make it better. Yeah, Sweet. that's actually what I did, but I didn't think about it until you said it. Awesome. Yeah. Um, so what are some of the, the biggest challenges then that you're facing as a sole designer? Um, the company. So your your job is to be a diplomat and a facilitator, not a designer. So you're so remember whether whether Patrick likes this or not. Oh, everybody <laughs> is designing, right? Now, now they're not doing a good job at it, and you can't tell them that. But your job is to come in and say, okay, look. Even if they all gave me that responsibility and stopped doing what they were doing. I literally don't have the physical time to accomplish what I could accomplish if I just foster them to continue doing what they're doing. So do you see how that's more like a facilitator and a diplomat than me actually going and sketching and creating screens? Mm -hmm. I'm fostering this environment where if the developer, if one particular engineer is just has a bug in him that he wants the screens to be this way, then I let him. And meaning I sit and I guide him. I sort of mentor him through it. Because if I can get him to be operational and churn out halfway decent stuff, that's one less thing I have to worry about so that I can get to where I need to be and so I can spend more time on user testing, for example, or other things rather than have to crank out actual drawings. Okay. So gaining that, that influence, like I think that's kind of a problem with um, – even working on a design team with just working with engineers or anybody else, um, even if you are alone and working just by yourself is actually, it's not even trust in my opinion. It's like not earning the trust of what a design, what a designer does. But <clears throat> sometimes when you help somebody like that out, there's this perceived sort of idea that like, that's all you do. Like that, that's what you do as a designer, you know, like I can do your job kind of thing. Like there's that kind of perceived thing. I think people get scared yeah. and, uh, and is something that they, uh, you know, that scares designers, right? Like you kind of took the magic away from what I can do, but at the same time, like, I feel like, um, that's also a really good way to earn influence so that when you do, you know, come up with your ideas or something crazy or wild or, uh, something really difficult to create or build um, that that allows them to not not necessarily have the trust, but you have the influence and the knowledge to be like, yeah, we're going to build that for you. That's right. That's right. And the truth is, if you can, if you if the collective is healthy, if it's a healthy collective, it's going to turn out much better designs than you as an individual. Mm -hmm. So let's say you're just the best designer on the planet, and you're at the top of dribble. Like it, it you still will produce better stuff if you do it with a group. And it doesn't matter if that group is other designers. It's just human beings. Yeah. Because everybody's inherently creative. It's just they learn different tools and techniques to channel that creativity. Yeah. No, and then like you said, the facilitation of that is how you've gained influence, right? That's with, right. With the, with the other people in the companies and the teams. Yeah. Make them believe that you want them doing what they're doing. And they're going to, the truth is they're going to do it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so if you're encouraging them and helping them walk through it, in fact, I'll tell you, one of two things will happen. They'll either get good at it or they'll realize what a pain in the butt it is and they'll stop. Yeah. You'll be like, that's great. 
okay, so what about these six buttons and the radius on the buttons and the typefaces? And you just start to just, you don't even <laughs> just start to overwhelm a little bit by what they got to do. And they're like, okay, you just do it. John. They're like, wait, wait, I thought everything was Helvetica. I thought we had, I thought we had that down. <laughs> Turns out design isn't as simple as people think it is. Awesome. Or is it really? We have to be really quiet about it. So they don't catch on. <laughs> we'll edit this part out. Don't worry. Yeah. Um, cut, cut that part out. <laughs> Note to self. <laughs> Scissors. Snip. Um, so in your experience, uh, why would a company choose to have like just one designer over a team of designers? And is, is um, like salary or is budget the primary reason for that? I, yeah. Well, Yes. The companies I've been at, it was they had already they were they already had a product that was generating revenue. Okay. Right. So think about that for a second. That means they've already got five to ten developers who are sucking up all that revenue. Now, if they're halfway smart, they also have some form of QA, right? And then maybe they've got somebody who is like somewhere in that project product BA realm somebody who sort of is paying attention to the product and then you sort of got well now we got to worry about the market right you see where i'm going mm -hmm. like just to get a product off the ground and earning any sort of money you've got to create invest a ton of money well designer never came up in that process yeah so so the 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 advantage is really is driven by budget i think you made me think about it a different way though like is there an advantage to having one? Yes, if the product's small enough that it can come out of one mind. I think there is a possibility that if the designer is capable, a lone designer can produce a better product, a unique product, if it's within their realm to comprehend completely by themselves. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I guess the difficult part would be deciding if that is the case, right? Yes. Um, Most companies don't want to stay small. Yeah. So they're not really interested in one. Yeah. Well, and depending on the company, like, I mean, a, a, a company who makes many products at smaller levels can still grow, but yeah. still have isolated design teams in, in smaller bites. Like, like even agency designers can get away with having less designers on some level because you yeah. kind of own a project and then you move to the next project, right? Yeah, that's right. So maybe it would be good to answer your question and combine it with what he just said. It might be in a company's interest to isolate a designer on a project. So not to hire one and only have one, mm -hmm. but to use only one on a specific initiative. Yeah, that makes sense. Are there any aspects of working as a sole designer, like the kind of what you've said, like working as a, a sole designer, are there any aspects that maybe a design team should adopt that they can actually take you know, from that experience of being a sole designer? I think being a being of service and fixing the problems people bring to you is universal at all company sizes. I think that that will, even if the company is just organized perfectly and the design team does everything right, if people are coming to you and they're asking for what seems like a really asinine request, <laughs> but you treat them like they are the king, and you do it without question and you just nail it, that has value no matter where you are. 
Right. Yeah. And so that, that definitely happens to you when you're the only designer, right? That's the only way you survive. Yeah. You get that all the time. Yeah. But you, as a design team, you, you might, you might initially think, well, I'm not over this certain aspect of the product. Like go talk to this guy about it. Right. You got an easier, you got an easier way to cop out. Yeah. Yeah. But what you're saying is they shouldn't be that way. They should actually say, yeah, let's figure this out. Yeah. I think they need to be ambassadors for design. Cause what if someday that, that, product manager is starts their own company and remembers back how much he hated dealing with the designers because they never helped him and <laughs> he's just going to put off hiring a designer when he should really hire him right off the bat right yeah right. that happens yes <laughs> that's what happened to lacroix <laughs> <laughs> you may be right <laughs> we're gonna put that we're gonna investigate that one too yeah <laughs> Um, so let's say there's a sole designer out there, which there's lots of them, and one comes to you for advice. How would you mentor a sole designer that, that wants advice on, on, on facing the problems that are probably similar to what you've had as being the sole designer on a company? What, how would you mentor them? First thing I'd ask is, how are your relationships at the company? Describe them to me. And they would say, well, I just talked to this person. And then if that's the answer, then I'd say, well, you need to talk to everybody. Because you need to you need to talk to the marketing person, you need to talk to the customer support person. One advantage of being the solo designer is you have direct access to all of those people. Mm -hmm. So take advantage of it and build those relationships. That's the first thing I would explore with them: is where, how healthy are your relationships with everybody at the company, not just the engineers, not just your product person, not just your manager. Okay. So designers shouldn't just have relationships with the users. They should also have relationships with many aspects of the company as well. Yeah. At a small company, the truth is, is that the product is a derivative of the people at the company. Yeah. It's not a derivative of the users like it should be mm -hmm. because they, they usually don't have time to spend with the users. So you got to lean heavily on sales because they spend the most time with customers up front. Okay. And they got to lean heavily on customer support and make friends of, with the people on the phones and talk to them regularly and show them designs as you're sketching because they are your best gateway and quickest gateway to the customers. And then you have to be very guerrilla style when you actually go see the customers because that means you're not spending time doing what the other things you need to do. The company doesn't have really have much money. And so you got to kind of optimize that. And what do you mean by guerrilla style? So like at one great family, for example, we wanted to create a Facebook app, right, from beginning to end. And we wanted to do it in less than three months with just me as a designer and a dev team of like four people. So if the dev team started programming from day one, they might hit that deadline. Do you see how there's no room there yeah. for me to go discover for two months and test for two months and all that stuff? I have to, not only do I have to do it along the way, I also have to crank out drawings so that these guys don't get off track. So I have to find a balance of how much can I ignore the dev team and they might risk that they do the wrong thing to go focus on a user for a day. Because seeing a user takes time and effort. You know, you got to do recruiting and you got to bring them in and you got to process what they said and then distribute it. So what you do, what I meant by guerrilla style was you've got you've to be very focused and say, okay, the most important feature of this product is X. So I'm only going to test X. 
and I'm going to try to do it as fast as I can and as optimally as I can because I got to get back to cranking out drawings for the dev team. So you've got to get kind of gorilla. You gotta you gotta go in and you gotta hack it. You know. Yeah. Does that you have to alter your process a little bit to try to yes meet that time frame. Yes. How much of that uh, involves to just like not having complete designs ever? Like not being able to mm-hmm. really spend the time that you need on designs. Like you're you're mostly starting to communicate ideas. Oh, that depends on the people. That's an I that is actually a situation you want to try to foster. Because you want to start first of all, how good are your HTML guys? Right? How good are mm-hmm. your front end developers? Are they good enough that I could go to them and say, look, I need open up some other app and say, This is what I need. They're done and they'll go do it, right? <laughs> that would be the best situation. Um, I think state your question again I was just saying that how much of that is like as designers I think we get into a realm where we spend 10 hours at our desk making sure that every everything's complete like pixel perfection it's all done but like how much of that when you're moving rapidly in in a designer of one situation guerrilla style in my mind's always been like you you have to leave a lot of things you have to leave the door open a lot of ways and have incomplete designs that aren't like your design's not complete until it's built. Yes, essentially, you're correct. It's it's a factor of the people, though. So I'll give you an example at Silverview. At, at, at all the places I was design team of one, I handled each one different. At Silverview, the front end developers were fresh out of school, so to put it nicely, they really didn't know what they were doing. So mm-hmm. I couldn't just trust them with wireframes. I had to spell stuff out. The other developers had never done web development, they had written device drivers, right? And QA had never tested this kind of app before either. So I was dealing with the engineering crew that had no idea what they were doing. They all had the talent and the smarts. So I had to do pixel perfect stuff because I was teaching them how to do this aspect of engineering. But what happens is, is though, we only had a year because they ran out of money and let everybody go. But what my goal was, I, they started to pick up on stuff, right? So there were certain things I didn't have to do anymore after months. And what I imagined happening over time is I could start to go back to a very loose style because I had trained them on how this works and they weren't asking the same questions anymore. Does yeah. that answer your question? No, that's perfect. Because I think, I, think I think that's a good, I've always just thought like you're gonna have to be more incomplete in that situation, but I, it does really depend on who you're working with. Um, That's cool. I, I, I've never thought, never thought of that thought before. About that, really. Yeah. I like the, how you said you have to train them. Yeah. That's really cool. You're training, and not just engineers, you got to train the product team, yeah. CEO, marketing. I think that's part yeah. of the, the relationship that you mentioned. That's right. That training on this is the design, right? right. <laughs> this is what I mean when I'm putting stuff on paper stuff on in sketch right if you come in and do things absolutely flawlessly according to the quote-unquote book of ux and hand it off i guarantee it's it's not what you're going to get when it may launch so that's that's why the relationships are so important you've got to vet out early on what's going to fall apart Hmm. awesome i'm learning a lot (laughs) this is really cool well and the way we work here is very similar to design team of one Right, we kind of work under the the cross functional team model, so we don't really work as a design team. 
like we work with our development teams and, and on more of a startup level on a fee, on on a section of our app so like to me this is super valuable to hear because i think we have the same we get just as lonely yeah <laughs> on our teams like sometimes I, sometimes you look around and be like i don't think anybody that i'm standing next to understands anything i just said yeah. and so you feel you feel isolated you get you get kind of lonely and and you're i feel like we have to vie for influence a lot more than like another company, like other companies I've worked at where you work as a design team. Like, yeah. no, what comes out of the design team is what we build, right? Versus here, it's like, it's a, it's, it's almost a constant, like, um, are you sure? Are you sure about that? Another way to look at it <laughs> is you are taking your company to that other place, mm-hmm. right? It's just your company is not there yet because it needs, because it's just not, it's back here. And you're, you are part of the solution of getting them to that better place. What did you learn from Jonathan Juvenal's uh, interview? What what did you learn? So it was great talking to John, talking about you know being being a sole designer. I thought it was pretty interesting, and he talked a lot about um, you know how you can take advantage of that situation, um, and mm-hmm. how you can you know because there's there's a lot of challenges that come along with it. Um, but he said that what he liked to do when when he was a sole designer in those experiences, he felt lonely. He didn't have any other designers along with him to bounce ideas off of to get that feedback that he needed. So he would would go and find other designers outside of the company. Um, he said anybody that would go to lunch with him, and he would take designs with them, and he would go and um, show them those designs, because he said otherwise, if he just worked alone, he was working in a vacuum, and he was. Um, as he said, starts to believe his own lies. I like yeah. that line a lot. <laughs> I don't think everybody um, does that. Yeah, so um, he was able to actually get really good designs. Um, so I thought that was interesting, and I think that's something that we should always be doing, bouncing stuff off of other designers. So that's something a good takeaway for me as a designer as well. Um, and also, when you, when you are um, a sole designer at a company, um, you have to manage relationships with everybody in the company, not just people in product, not just the engineers, but um, also people in sales and marketing um, because they they are the people that are like big gateways to the customers. They're hearing all the problems and everything, and you have to have really strong relationships. I believe he said that if somebody came to him saying, how do I, you know, how do I actually do this as a sole designer? He said the first thing he would ask them was, how are your relationships with everybody in the company? Are they healthy? Because mm-hmm. um, that's, that's a really important part of um, being able to solve true problems in the company. Um, and um, those are those are my main takeaways um, from the interview, and I thought that was a lot of great stuff. There's a lot of good stuff. He brought up, too, with uh, um, having good relationships with everybody else in the company, too. He brought up uh, building a level of trust as a team of one. Yeah. So he gave an example of, like, I'm coming into a company. Um, <clears throat> I think this applies to a company that he talked about, like, is already established. But also uh, coming into a company at the very beginning would be the same thing. But coming into the company and um, coming in a little bit slowly, not coming in hot, like, hey, I know how to fix every all your problems. Yeah. Like coming in being more like, okay, what are the problems that need to be solved? 
and then work on those solving those problems. And he brought up the example of one of the companies he worked with. It's I think it was Silverview. Um, they already kind of did all the research, had a bunch of research already done. Um, the PM was pretty good at that, at that. So really he just came in and was like, well, I'll start working on the UI then. Yeah. Um, or I'll start gathering requirements or I'll start helping out just kind of like, uh, pitching in along that, along the design process where needed, because, um, like you brought up to the reality is, is like when a product's being built, it's being designed already mm-hmm. regardless of there's a designer. So, um, I like what he said there. Uh, the other one too, that like we said is allow, uh, allow others to kind of run with their ideas. So if you're, if you're a sole designer on a team of, I don't know, 10 developers or something like that, and some of the developers have an idea of how they could, you know, design the product or work on the product or improve something, um, kind of facilitate that and let them do it because not only are you kind of backed up for time, right? Like you, like you can't do everything yeah. for all of those people all the time. Um, but also that like teaching them how to do it is just going to enable the product better. Um, you know, or even, or even, uh, kind of show them a little bit how design works kind of a thing, you know? And I think, and then he reiterated, reiterated the, the whole idea of like, well, if everybody's kind of doing, if everybody knows design principles in the room and we're all working on the same thing, that's probably going to be a better product, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. You talked about like training people on what, what the, what is the right situation yeah. or the right um, decision to make in the scenario. Right. Yeah. Um, so some good stuff. I think a lot of stuff too that he said was stuff that depending on where you work um, could apply to your team as well. Like even if you work on a design team, I think a lot of us work, um, a lot of companies now have shifted to cross-functional teams, and I see a lot of the same parallels with uh, kind of a design team of one with what he was talking about in those cross-functional teams where, like, you, you may be on a design team of 10 people at your company, uh, but all of you are separated into development squads or development teams, and so you don't really get together that often. You're not sitting next to each other all the time. So I think a lot of those same principles apply. And he also talked about, like, um, the importance of – when, when you are that sole designer, when people come to you, everybody will come to you with a problem they need to solve, right? And you should jump on that problem. And however, when you're like working on a team, that he says that this is an aspect of being a sole designer you should probably bring and adopt as a team of designers. If somebody brings you a problem, if you're a designer on a team, you should, instead of saying, you know, go to somebody else to figure out this problem, you can say, okay, let, let's see what I can do to help out, right? Yeah. Yeah, a lot of good stuff. Learned a lot from that, from from the interview. It was a really interesting interview. Uh, yeah, we hope you learned something today. I know we did. Uh, John John was a great guest. Um, if you have anything, if you have anything you've learned or any practices, if you're a design team of one out there, any practices that you want to share with us or with uh, the other uh, Design Much listeners here, uh, just please let us know. We learned over Twitter. We're at design underscore much. Um, or if you're local in the area, hit us up on the Slack product type channel. Channel group slack group Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Um, or if you have any questions or comments or anything you know drop us a drop us a dm on twitter hit us up in the slack group uh if you haven't rated the podcast haven't already rated the podcast uh do it now um we're like five stars we got like seven reviews (laughs) let's keep them let's keep them coming are we at seven now last time i checked we were at six so six i think we're at seven now we're really moving up that's that's exciting it could have been me again but i don't know (laughs) if they count that over and over again uh, we'd also like to thank Jonathan Juvenal for joining us and uh, teaching us some more good stuff about being a design team of one. Uh, we'd also like to thank you guys and gals and everybody out there for listening. And uh, as always, Andy.
be excellent to each other. Amen, sister. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Design Much. It's been real fam. Welcome back to Design Much Podcast. I'm here with Andy. That's your radio voice? <laughs> that was my radio voice, Andy. <laughs> That's your your annoying... Uh, it was just my regular voice. <laughs> your nerd regular voice, yeah. <laughs> well, you see, the way you pronounce LaCroix is enjoy LaCroix. Which uh, which Simpsons character is this that you're projecting right now? So isn't that like a nerd? Yeah. Isn't that a nerd guy? <laughs>